Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week, Lynn Menges. She is the president and CEO of the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association, which represents some 20,000 restaurants across the state, some 2,000 lodging businesses. And uh, interestingly enough, some uh, they all together employ somewhere around 530,000 employees here in the state of North Carolina. And as we've talked about, would like to probably employ some more. Uh, that was one of the things we dis- discovered was a, a major problem is a lot of businesses are finding it difficult to find uh, the workforce that they need. We have focused a lot on restaurants, Lynn, and I'd like to now turn to hotels. Um, and uh, you touched a little bit about the fact that the, the hotel business is has uh, recovered a lot and the hotels are still being constructed. Occupancy levels apparently are rising. So what is the state of uh, the hotel industry in North Carolina? So, you know, hotels are doing quite well. There is strong demand for hotel rooms. And so uh, occupancy is almost back to normal rates. They're down just slightly, maybe two or three percentage points off, but they're back. Um, But room rates are at an all-time high. So the the amount of money people are paying for a room in North Carolina is at an all-time high. And so that is helping to offset the little bit of loss in business that they they continue to see. The challenge they're having is that many of these hotels took on a lot of debt during COVID, when during the closures and capacity restrictions and the loss of big meetings and conventions. So they're having to kind of dig out from that. That's a big challenge for a lot of them. Um, and they are facing significant worker shortages. We keep going back to worker shortages. But if you don't have workers to service rooms, to turn rooms, you can't, you have to take those out of inventory. And so that is, that continues to hit a lot of those hotels. But business is brisk. Um, I think they're feeling pretty good about things and optimistic about the future. We uh, uh, Tourism, of course, is so important. Uh, and you've been involved in that for a long, long time, even prior to your uh, 10 and a half year employment uh, with the uh, North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association. But uh, we are blessed with both beaches and mountains, but that's not all the tourism that occurs in North Carolina. Uh, what are some of our other sort of unknown things that happen in the, in the area of tourism that perhaps the general public doesn't recognize as being as important? For example, the ACC tournament in Greensboro. That's right. Well, you know, we are so blessed in North Carolina. We are um, in the top 10 most visited states in America. I think we currently rank about sixth um, in terms of the number of visitors that we get in our state among the 50 states. And so that's good news. I think the reason we have so many uh, visitors is that we have such a diverse product. As you mentioned, we have, you know, 300 miles of amazing coastline, small fishing villages. We have, uh, you know, the highest mountains in the eastern United States that are uh, obviously lures to many leisure travelers. But I think we've done a good job in this state of building capacity with sporting events. You mentioned the ACC tournament, but there's sporting events, Panthers games, hurricane games, um, all kinds of sporting events and tournaments all over the state, almost on a daily basis. Um, in addition to that, we have you know concerts and other festivals and events that draw lots and lots of folks. We've done a good job in recent years of building out rural tourism. And that's kind of the the unknown. I think this is the year of the trails where we're encouraging North Carolinians to get out and discover our many North Carolina state parks. We are just blessed with just incredible state parks. 
with hikes and trails and all kinds of things to see and do. So those are the, the kinds of things that get people off the beaten path into some of the more undiscovered parts of our state. You know, with that, we've got pottery in Asheboro, North Carolina, um, you know, just all kinds of amazing things throughout our hundred counties. Um, our state's tourism office, Visit NC, does an incredible job of showcasing, you know, people, places, things, undiscovered venues across the state. And I would encourage your listeners to take a look at that website and some of the suggested itineraries and places and places to see and things to do. Um, they're, they're just so plentiful all across North Carolina. And that's uh, we've been blessed because of that. Well, you know, one of the things that uh, is probably not appreciated nearly as much as it should be is our North Carolina Zoo. It's a, an amazing facility. It, it really is. I mean, we just have in our aquariums along the coast. Uh, great lures for for folks. Chimney Rock Park, um, the Biltmore Estate is iconic, of course. Um, you know, I think a Boone and Blowing Rock is just great places to go right now. I, I guess the weather's getting a little bit warmer, but I don't know. It's been cold recently. Uh, snow skiing in the mountains, just a, a fun way to you know work all week and take a weekend and get away. Uh, great Wolf Lodge. I have grandchildren who have recently enjoyed a trip to Concord to the Great Wolf Lodge because there's great indoor swimming activities. So, you know, I could go on and on. We're just blessed with with rich and abundant activities, both natural and man-made events, sporting events, concerts, festivals uh, from the mountains to the coast that really do help to generate business, a brisk business year-round in our state. And from time to time, I see reports and news stories about the economic benefits of something like the ACC tournament, for example. How do they determine? I've, I've, I've often wondered, how do they come up with those numbers? Because sometimes <laughs> the numbers are rather mind-blowing. They they really are, Don. So, I, you know, I'm by no means an expert on how they quantify, you know, economic impact. There's some really smart research, researchers and models modelers who do that. But generally speaking, you know, what they do is they take the number of seats, the number of people that attend an event, and they uh, determine where they come from and how many room nights they would have sold. So the further away they come, the more room nights they spend. Uh, somebody in Raleigh probably won't stay overnight if they're attending a Raleigh event, but they look at attendance and where they come from an overnight. And then you think about it in, a, in an average hotel room, you have two people and uh, those people, if they stay a day, they're going to eat three meals, four meals out. And so they quantify, you know, the average uh, cost of that. Um, so they, it, there's a multiplier effect, but the numbers are pretty accurate, I think. And uh, I think folks are cautious to under-report rather than over-report some of those economic models. But it's it's mind-blowing to see the, the multiplier effect that takes place when large-scale events come into communities. Well, I would imagine, we mentioned the ACC tournament, for example. I would imagine that uh, uh, since it's not there in Greensboro every year, they have the alternate years to compare with. And so in that particular case, they can look at retail sales and occupancy and all that sort of things. And actually, that would probably help them verify those numbers. But the yeah, numbers but are, are are mind-boggling to me sometimes when you they talk about the economic benefit of, uh, uh, of the, the Carolina Hurricanes or the Panthers or the Hornets or whatever. It's uh, it, it, We have this unbelievable desire uh, to spend money going to the athletic contests. And I'm right there with them. I mean, I do it. Yeah, that's and, right. And we forget that is, that is actually traveling tourism. 
That's right. It's big business across our state. Uh, last year, we collected $300 million in occupancy tax revenues. So if you think about it, that's just the 7% that we collect, you know, the 7% ta- the occupancy tax uh, that exists across the state that we collect from, from overnight visitors. Uh, so the numbers are are staggering. They're, they're really How impressive. Much? 700 million? Three, 300 million in just occupancy tax. Mm-hmm. And that goes basically to the counties. Is that correct? It does. And so that's an important part of the model, too, is that um, that money, that occupancy tax entirely goes to the county that collects it. And then there are local tourism authorities that determine how they spend those dollars. In in Wake County, for example, you mentioned the Hurricanes um, Stadium Series uh, outdoor event they hosted recently that had just staggering economic impact. The Raleigh Conventions and Visitors Bureau Board used part of their occupancy tax revenues to help lure that event and to help underwrite that event and support that event. So, you know, the idea, the concept is you collect an occupancy tax, you spend that to generate more revenue. And the model works pretty well across the state. We have, you know, 100 counties. We have at least 100 tourism authorities across North Carolina who market their own destinations and then we have Visit NC that's funded by the general fund. The legislature funds that every year at around 15 to 20 million, kind of depending on the amount that's available to them. And they do a phenomenal job of keeping North Carolina top of mind. And, and in their work, they mark, and I used to be there, as you know, um, still work very closely and serve on their board of directors, but they market North Carolina in states from which we draw visitors. So New York, Georgia, Florida, um, where a lot of our North Carolina visitors come from. Um, their focus is largely marketing the state to external markets and to international markets. North Carolina is a strong international destination. We've enjoyed great success with many of the direct flights we have now coming into North Carolina um, that have really helped to drive a, a new influx of international visitors to our state. And the you know the interesting thing is many people come and visit our state and have such a great experience that they choose to move here from either international or other other state uh, locations. And I think that's one of the reasons we're seeing our population base continue to grow. It's uh, largely fueled first by tourism and then by the decision to, to relocate or to move a business to our state. So we spent a good bit of time earlier talking about the challenges that, are, that the uh, restaurants uh, are having. What are some of the challenges that you see for your hotel and motel members? You know, I, I think the hotels are, are are similarly having, you know, the same challenges with workforce. A lot of the challenges are are the same. Um, we're always focused on the hotel side around tourism promotion that we just talked about. Um, we try to protect occupancy taxes to make sure that units of local government don't try to siphon off those those taxes that are really earmarked for marketing and promotion. They don't try to siphon those off for other things that should be paid for with public funds. And so we are kind of the gatekeeper of that. We make sure that legislation uh, doesn't get introduced that would um, kind of breach that understanding of what those occupancy taxes are are all about. And uh, we do spend quite a bit of time at the General Assembly doing just that. We've had five or six of those bills introduced this session. Um, We're focused on school calendar laws. That's a hot topic of debate. There have been probably 15 bills introduced this session that would authorize uh, local school boards to deviate from the current school calendar law, which dictates that school can't begin until like the week before Labor Day, or can't, it has to get out the week before, can't has, can't start before the week before Labor Day and has to get out 
the week after uh, late Memorial Day. And, um, you know, there are a lot of school boards who would like to change that, have kids starting back in early August or, you know, staying through later in June. And that really depletes that important summer season for the tourism industry. But it also further exacerbates the workforce challenges because we don't have students. If students have to go back to school, teachers have to go back to school, families have to get back to school. It really means that a lot of those workers, um, you know, aren't available for summer work experiences. So that's an issue that we're keenly focused on. Um, And then... um, you know, we we always are are trying to you know make sure that funding for tourism marketing and promotion is protected and is invested wisely. So you know, those are some of the things that we continue to be focused on, um, specifically for hotels, but impact the hospitality industry at large. I mentioned one more uh, interesting note is that we're seeing a rising uh, cost of credit card transaction fees, uh, interchange fees they're called, and. Um, you know, we're beginning to raise the question of why a business owner, a restaurateur, a hotelier that collects these tax and occupancy tax, a prepared meals tax and a sales tax, in some cases, as much as 13% tax onto the hotel bill, uh, they're paying significant credit card transaction charges. And obviously they have to do that for their business, but for the 13% tax, they, they uh, accumulate you know, the question is, paying those credit card transaction fees? So, you know, questions like that are ones we always try to ask and try to seek some uh, some clarity on. And, uh, you know, things like that or reforms will get done one day. Maybe not this session, but one day. Well, that's an interesting thing about uh, because the credit card fee would be on the total amount of the transaction. And uh, about, as you said, about 12 or 13 percent of that is a pass through. So uh, it's uh they're paying a they're paying a fee on something that they never have an opportunity to make anything on. That's, that's right. And there's several states that are taking a look at that and 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 doing away with those fees. So that's something we're watching closely and and may do here in North Carolina at some point. Our guest is Lynn Menges. She is the president and CEO and has been for 10 and a half years of the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association. We have one final segment and we're going to talk about uh, uh, actually, some things we've already talked about and also uh, bring up some other issues when we come back with the final segment of Carolina Newsmakers. And we'll do that right after these messages. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains, dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Here's a fun fact for you. The average chameleon can point their eyes in two different directions. On the other hand, the average human can't. So unless you're a chameleon, there's absolutely no way you can focus on texting and driving at the same time. So don't do it. Unless you're a chameleon. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. 
A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Lynn Menges is our guest. She is the president and CEO of the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association and has been for 10 and a half years. And prior to that, she was also very active in the Department of Commerce, working with travel and tourism, and uh, has uh, been on our program a number of times. Uh, she uh, has just had an outstanding career. She's a graduate, by the way, of Peace College in North Carolina State University. And uh, like uh, me, she enjoys time at the Crystal Coast in North Carolina when they are taking vacation time. When um, we were talking about uh, uh, the biggest problem, I guess, overall of all the issues we've talked about, it is employment. And even though the uh, employers of the members, and you've got 20,000 restaurant members and 2,000 hotels and motels employing 530,000 employees, but that's still a major problem. And you know, I don't know how many jobs go open, maybe as many as what, 45 or 50,000, something yeah, like that. I think that's right. So, what uh, you mentioned that some other things that you're doing uh, to work on that problem, because as we have established earlier, this is not a short-term problem. This is a long-term problem as well as short-term. It, it is a long-term problem. And we're, we're very blessed that the General Assembly um, during its, during the last session awarded us $5 million. This is a part of the state's American Rescue Plan Fund. So we have $5 million that we're currently um, investing in rebuilding our workforce. We began uh, about midway through last year uh, doing some research with uh, business owners and operators to understand more about their business challenges, to understand how it's impacting their business. And I've shared some of that with you already. We then did a second study of current employees in the industry, former employees, those who've left the industry over the last two years, or a pool of folks who have never worked in the industry but might work in the industry. And the goal there was to try to understand more about you know, what folks liked and didn't like, uh, what they enjoyed about their work, what they would change, how they found their job, uh, advice they would give to business owners who were looking to recruit, you know, where you would find more of those kind of workers. And um, we got some amazing data from that, that research, just really good in-depth data. We're taking all of that research right now, and we're in the process of awarding a, a contract, maybe about $4.5 million to a marketing firm here in North Carolina who will execute a marketing campaign to help us rebuild our workforce. Um, messaging, largely from what we heard from both the employees and the employers, is that we need to do a better job of focusing on professional growth opportunities in the industry. Talking about career advancement. Um, it's interesting to note that the average wage of a restaurant or hotel manager in North Carolina, now this is the average, is $62,000 a year. Um, that's not bad wages. And the the time frame from where somebody can enter the industry to the time they could be a manager is a pretty short period of time, can be two or three years. Many of these companies, restaurants and hotels, you know, you take some of the larger brands, they do a phenomenal job of uh, taking good, smart people who have fire in the belly and are willing to work hard and bring them through management training programs so that they can escalate those that career uh, path advancement pretty quickly. So we need to do a better job of telling that story. That's one of the things we're focused on. We need to talk about the personal uh, growth that folks experience in the industry. 
many of us, Don, I don't know about you, but many of us, you know, have worked in restaurants and hotels at some point in our lifetime. And, you know, folks who have done that tell me time and time again that they learn team building skills. They learn how to solve problems. They need to learn how to uh, multitask and work at a pretty quick pace and make quick decisions. Um, they learn to negotiate and find win-win solutions. And those are the kind of life experiences that translate well into most anything folks want to do with their lives. Um, you know, ours is an industry that is diverse, probably more diverse than any other. We accept people from all backgrounds, all walks of life, um, all cultures. They all meld together in kitchens and in, in, in hotels across our state. And um, we need to do a better job of talking about that. So, you know, those are some of the things that we're focused on right now. Um, I'll also say that we're really broadening our reach as we try to rebuild the workforce uh, by focusing on, um, you know, folks who are looking for second chances. They may have been homeless. Ours is an industry that can take those people, train them pretty quickly and give them meaningful work. Former substance abusers. Um, we're targeting what we call opportunity youth. And those are young folks between the ages of 18 and 24 who are currently not working and currently not in school. Uh, we're working through UNC School of Government on a program to outreach, you know, to reach to those folks and try to connect them with the industry. Um, working with career and technical education programs in high schools across North Carolina and with our community college and, you know, university system to try to attract students who have interest in culinary and hospitality. So those are some of the things we're focused on right now. Um, the funds that have been made available to us are certainly going to help in a big way to get that messaging out to folks, to reach some of those uh, prospective candidates who we we expect will take jobs in the sector. Um, but there's a lot of work to be done, that's for sure. Well, one of the things that anytime the state uh, invests in putting people to work is uh, – as a reward for them as well, because all of a sudden they become taxpayers. And yes. so there's more money, there's more money in the state treasury because people, more people are working. You know, every time I've ever participated in any kind of a study like you were talking about, there's always one or two things that just wiped us out because it was such a surprise. Uh, as you look back on the results of that study or those studies that you have done, what uh, what did you find that was just really sort of very surprising to you and something that uh, revolutionized your thinking to some degree? Well, you know, I think of the folks who have worked in the industry, they held a much higher regard for the industry and the work uh, of the industry. They talked about having fun at work. Um, the, 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 the gentleman who was conducting the focus group, one of the focus groups, ask, uh, you know, if you could have a career in working in a restaurant or hotel or working in a bank, which would you choose? And surprisingly, those who worked in the industry or had worked in the industry said all day, you know, we'd rather work in a restaurant or hotel. It's a lot more fun. Every day is different. We meet interesting people. We feel reward from helping people have a good day, celebrate a birthday or anniversary. Um, they enjoyed the fast pace uh, and the, you know, just the atmosphere of working in the hospitality industry. So that was, I guess, reaffirming, maybe not so much a surprise, but I don't recall hearing from people who worked in the industry. I don't recall from a single one of them complained about the pay. We think that we assume that, you know, their perception is we have low wage jobs, but people who work in the industry, you know, waiters, wait staff, um, they make a pretty good living. And, you know, it's, and, and the, uh, you know, opportunities for increased wages is great. If folks stick around, 
30 days, 60 days, 90 days or longer, um, you know, the revenue comes. There was some, you know, concern about the unpredictability of scheduling. In other words, you know, they don't know how many servers they need until they have reservations. And so frequently the the, the number of hours folks work can fluctuate from, from week to week. Now, there's some concern around that, but nobody talked about the pay as being a, a downside in the industry. Most of them felt that they were fairly compensated for the work that they did, generally speaking. Um, but a, a kind of another aha, and uh, I think we all can relate to that, and uh, many of these folks talked about the reason they left was that people were rude. And I think I see that myself, you know, on the, on the, on the highway and retail stores, people are generally short and impatient. Maybe we, we got that during COVID. I don't know. Uh, but often, you know, customers take that out sometimes on those who are trying to serve and help them. And, you know, when you've got, when you're in a restaurant or hotel or retail store for that matter, and, you know, they don't have enough workers, uh, they're doing the best they can to try to, to try to serve. And, uh, you know, sometimes customers can be maybe not so thoughtful and appreciative uh, of those who are trying to help them. And we did hear that from time to time. So that's another area of opportunity, I think, for us to encourage people to just be nice, be kind, be considerate. Um, so we'll we'll focus on that too. Well, I, I'm often remembered of the prayer that people submit to, uh, uh, and it says, Lord, give me patience and give it to me right now. <laughs> that's about right that's about right don donald mentioned well, another program that we're focused another folk program that we're focused on and that is uh we are working on a grant with the north carolina department of commerce of 1.1 million dollars to offer free training to people who are interested in entering the hospitality career to people who are current employees and are looking to enhance their skills uh they may be new to the industry they may be students we have $1.1 million of training funds. Uh, these are all online courses, and folks who want to learn more can go to our website, ncrla.training, to get information. And all anybody has to do is just literally go to the website, apply, and they can then take any of these free courses. You know, how to be a hotel general manager, how to be a certified restaurant manager, restaurant uh, supervisor, uh, hotel front desk attendant. These are uh, pretty quick and easy courses that range, you know, some of them 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, some of them are longer form courses, of course. The value of those courses ranges from, you know, $50 to $2,000. But all of those free of charge to people who are interested in training to become certified, credentialed, um, or trained for careers at all levels of the industry. So I encourage folks to take a look at that. And we're trying to get that word out to potential uh, new recruits or those who want to upskill uh, for careers in the industry. Well, I'm assuming you uh, that the uh, community college system is probably of great assistance to your organization. They are the great partners. Uh, they do. They they frequently tell us that they have jobs for every single student they turn out in culinary and hospitality. Um, but our business, the business community, does work very closely with community colleges all over the state, and they are a great resource for training and preparing individuals for careers in the industry. So we do work very closely with them and they are helping to uh, deliver some of the training that we're offering at no cost. Well, Lynn, you gave us a, a summary earlier of some of the things that are happening in the General Assembly. You've got about one minute. So what's at the top of your list is uh, you work with the General Assembly in session right now and setting their budgets. Really, we're just asking them, do no harm. I mean, this is not the time to put new mandates or restrictions of any kind on business owners. 
uh, we're trying to rebuild. And so we ask for, you know, patience as we uh, continue to, to rebound. Um, we're also, you know, focused on uh, investing tax dollars wisely in things like career and technical education programming. Um, and we're, you know, supporting funds for the Department of Agriculture to do marketing and promotion of North Carolina products to food service establishments. Uh, we've already talked about ABC reforms that are much needed. Um, we are focused on, uh, you know, just all kinds of um, oh, uh, hotel tenancy bill. We got clarity around uh, hotel tenancy recently that defines when a hotel resident becomes a, a, a permanent resident, a hotel guest becomes a resident. The law now says 90 days, unless that's vetoed by the governor, but we expect it will hold. Um, and then school calendar. That's really what we're focused on largely this session, but look forward to a good legislative session. We're playing offense this year, hopefully not defense. Our guest has been Lynn Menges, and if you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and do just that. Our program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he'll have another interesting guest for us again next week on the same group of stations all across North Carolina. So until next week, same time, same station. Hope you and yours have a very good week. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.